Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. This week's episode is an interview with Corey Bing, and she is a paleo artist. And that does not mean that she does cave paintings, though if she were to do cave paintings, I'm sure they'd be excellent. Uh, but rather, it means that she draws and paints dinosaurs and other extinct megafauna. And we talked about dinosaurs, favorite dinosaurs, what is a dinosaur, what is a non-dinosaur, and portrayals of dinosaurs in various popular cultures, which obviously means that we talk about Jurassic Park. And there is also a passing reference to the far side in there as well. Hope you like it. Enjoy. Hi, Corey. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. How are you <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm very warm. Yeah, it is. It is hot. It's very warm today. I mean, we're in the Pacific Northwest. I know. And 80 is hot. I know, but I'm not used to it. Yeah. So to begin, um, I want to explain to the folks like who you are and what your relationship to dinosaurs and other megafauna is. Okay. Uh, my name is Corey Bing. Uh, I am an illustrator and a cartoonist, and I, uh, I do a comic called Skin Deep, what you can find online at skindeepcomic.com, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I'm also an amateur paleo artist, which means that I like to draw dinosaurs and other extinct animals, and I try to make them as accurate as possible uh, to what the science has has discovered on animals, and I find them really super interesting. And I'm an amateur because uh, I'm not a scientist in any way. I'm just a very enthusiastic fan of extinct animals so some of my facts may be wrong okay <laughs> but you've probably done more research into this i fall most... into a lot of wiki holes okay <laughs> excellent yeah yes. but you've done a lot of research for mm-hmm. professional purposes for making your art yeah i do i i uh, do i have these prints that are uh, at least one animal from every uh geological era and uh, I try to I try to get really interesting ones, and I try to make them as accurate as possible. Also, being like kind of in my, kind of a cartoony looking. Because when I was a kid, I was super into dinosaurs, and mm-hmm. it always bothered me when I saw inaccurate dinosaurs. And mm-hmm. uh, it still bothers me now. But I understand why more people are interested in the not the more Jurassic Park kind of dinosaurs. But I just think that what 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 really existed is so much more interesting than what like. The popular idea of what a dinosaur is actually is like there's so much cooler weirder things than mm-hmm. what we made up yeah uh also to demonstrate the depth of your enthusiasm <laughs> for extinct animals um i can see your tattoos uh, yes. but the people listening cannot see your tattoos what what are the, what are, do you have on you uh i have the first tattoo i got was a plesiosaurus skeleton it's a whole sleeve of uh, extinct animal bones the first one's a plesiosaur skeleton and then i got a bacillosaurus on my arm, which is an, uh, an ancient whale. Uh, I have a, uh, a pterodactylus, which is one of the first uh, uh, flying reptiles that they, that they discovered. Mm-hmm. And I have a Corythosaurus, which is my favorite dinosaur because its name is Cory. And my oh. name is Cory. Oh. Even though its name is Cory because its head looks like a Corinthian helmet is how it got its name. That, that's extraordinarily cool. Yeah. Yeah, the pterodactylus skeleton, mm-hmm. that doesn't look what most people would think a pterodactylus or pterodactyl looks like, does it? No, actually, well, <laughs> most people, when they think of, like, pterodactyls, they have a completely wrong, uh, like, mental image of what pterodactyls are. It's very old science. Like, uh, well, pterodactyls aren't dinosaurs. They're flying reptiles. Right. Uh, there's only one 
dinosaur that ever evolved uh, like bat-like wings. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but there's like no other dinosaurs have like the skin wings mm -hmm. that uh, pterodactyls do. So that's a good way if you see something, is it, is it a dinosaur or not a dinosaur? Well, if it's a flying dinosaur, then no, it was not a dinosaur. Uh, but the, t the one on my, my arm is called Pterodactylus Ant Antiquius because it was one of the first ones they found, and it's about the it's about the size of my forearm, which is about the size it was in real life. It was a very oh, small, wow. yeah, it's very small dinosaur. It's my only like almost life size tattoo I have. The plesiosaur is not life size. No, it is not. Yeah, uh, but it's very small, and uh, uh, the idea that a lot of people have with like pterodactyls are these huge like like hawk looking monster dragon sort of things but mm -hmm. actually they're very delicate animals and uh like they probably couldn't pick you up with their talons and and fly you away because they like like birds today they can't really lift a whole lot and still maintain be like airborne uh the, the pterodactylus they actually are also covered in uh, what are they called like they're not proto feathers but pi pico fibers is what they're covered in so they kind of look like bats more than anything else because they had like little furry bodies to keep them warm and it's it's cool. I like them. <laughs> but also, when a lot of people think about uh, pterodactyl, they think about the head crest. Oh, yeah. The one I have doesn't have a head crest, but there are so many bizarre, weird, cool pterodactyl head crests out there that I can't even I can't think of a lot of their names off the top of my head because they're very difficult to say. But... Was that a pteranodon? That most a pteranodon. I that most people think of. There's yeah, pteranodon is what most people think of, and. I might be wrong about this, but I think that one might have been kind of debunked as being a real pterodactyl or pterosaur, but I'm not positive on that one because like you don't really see that one in scientific art very much anymore. But there's a whole bunch of other ones that have. I think it's like like I can't even begin to remember what his name is, but they have like five foot long projections off the top of their head, and mm. we have we don't know exactly how they're all put together. And some of them have like like whale baleen almost on the bottom jaw that like goes way up past their upper jaw. So they can like strain fish out of the water when they like dive into the water. Just, just look up. I can't look up flying reptiles. There's so many cool ones that are so weird. And like, there's one that Quetzalcoatlus. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not entirely sure, but it was the size of a giraffe. Huh? Yeah, and it ate like baby sauropods, and it could still fly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. It's like the biggest one that they found. It is gigantic and it is really cool. And there's a lot of cool art online of it just like roaming around the plains eating mm -hmm. baby dinosaurs and it's really cool. <laughs> so uh for the folks at home who might be we might be getting ahead of ourselves a bit, mm -hmm. but uh for the folks at home who kind of have an idea about what a dinosaur is, mm -hmm. what exactly is a dinosaur? Ah, a dinosaur is a uh Large terrestrial, uh, not always large, but they're they are uh, what most people think of. They are land animals. They existed during the Mesozoic time period, which is the uh, the Triassic, Jurassic, and the Cretaceous mm -hmm. period, uh, and uh, they are commonly referred to as reptiles. But they also uh, they're kind of proto birds. They're not they're not they're not strictly reptiles. As they're because they're reptiles that also live during that time period, and they're they're distinct from each other. Usually, mm -hmm. you can tell because like they're their arms are, uh, or arms and legs are uh, underneath, like they're straight down from their bodies rather than, rather than like jutting out to the side, like alligators and other right. lizards and things you see. Uh, the, the, the two, the two legged ones, the theropods, uh, they are actually still technically alive today. A lot of uh, birds are theropods. And uh, so, yeah, so technically dinosaurs still exist, still exist, and it's birds. Yeah, so they evolved into birds. They have more in common with birds. A lot of people think that there's a lot of debate over whether they're cold or warm-blooded. 
there's, I think it's leaning more towards they're warm-blooded and more active than like lizards and, and other reptiles. So, but if there's only one example of an aquatic dinosaur and that is Spinosaurus. And they, they just recently like rediscovered that skeleton and were able to figure out that it was an aquatic dinosaur. All the other aquatic reptiles you see, like plesiosaurs and ichthyosaurs, those are just aquatic reptiles. They are not related to dinosaurs. Okay, so a Spinosaurus. A Spinosaurus, yeah. What kind of uh, aquatic lifestyle did it have? Um, it was kind of like a crocodile. It was uh, kind of like, like, they think it lived mostly like in estuaries and stuff. There okay. was a Spinosaurus in Jurassic Park 3. But uh, one of the fun thing about the Spinosaurus skeleton, it was, it was discovered in the, I want to say, the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it was destroyed because it was the only skeleton that we found was, I believe it was being held in a German museum. And it was bombed all the heck during World War II. And we lost it. And the only way, the only, the only proof we had of Spinosaurus were of, like, drawings of the bones that were in that museum. And mm-hmm. so, like, they, they had to, like, extrapolate from there. And uh, it wasn't um, a couple years ago. It was very recently when they, in Morocco, they found another skeleton of the Spinosaurus, and a more complete skeleton, and we were able to really understand what kind of dinosaur it was, and they discovered that it was less like the one in Jurassic Park 3 that is basically a T-Rex with a big sail on its back and a crocodile head, and more like just a big, weird-looking crocodile. Not really crocodile either. It's hard to, hard, hard to describe. They had like it's it was kind of like a loon if a loon was a dinosaur like its le- <laughs> its legs are really far back on its body and so it couldn't really walk on land very well but it could swim really well and it was really it was kind of made for more like catching fish and okay yeah so that's the only one they really discovered that's a dinosaur that's also aquatic huh so one of my uh, favorite pieces of art that you did uh, <laughs> is something that I got I believe this was at either the Emerald City Comic Con mm-hmm. or the Rose City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I was at your booth, and you had a set of stickers about mm-hmm. what is and is oh, not yes. a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, so uh, of that set, like, you had different examples yes. of what is and is not a dinosaur. I had a Ramphoricus, which is a, a t- sort of a, of, of a flying reptile that is very small and fuzzy and is not a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. I had an Ichthyosaur, which is another uh, an aquatic reptile. It's not like... Like, usually when people think aquatic reptiles, they think of, like, plesiosaur as a Loch Ness monster sort of thing. But mm-hmm. ichthyosaurs are more, like, they look more like dolphins. They have, like, no neck and, like, a long beak and uh, flippers and stuff. And those are also not dinosaurs. And then I also had a Dimetrodon, which is a small... Well, I guess they're not small. They could be a bunch of different sizes. But it's they kind of look like a crocodile with, like, a big sail on its back. You see them a lot, and whenever you get, like, toys of dinosaurs, you see Dimetrodons. They're, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the classic sailback dinosaur. And those are actually... They, they existed millions of years before dinosaurs and are actually more related to human beings than they are to dinosaurs because they're actually proto-mammals. That is so, so cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? I love that. It's something to do with... I. This is where my, my amateur knowledge comes in because I don't know the exact science, but it's it's the... They figured it out because of the number of holes present in the skull. Like we, like humans and mammals are all synapsids. Mm-hmm. And that is what animals like Demetrodon were. They're synapsids. And dinosaurs are not, I want to say they're therapsids, but that might What's be What's it mean to be word. a synapsid or a therapsid? It, I can't tell you exactly how many holes it is in the skull, but it has to deal with how many holes are present in the skull, like for eyes and ears and nose. And okay. Like, like dinosaurs have more holes that, in the skull than if you look at it, like a dinosaur skull, they have like a lot of big holes ah, and stuff okay. in the head. And so that's kind of where they realize, like scientists realized that they were, it was a different evolutionary, evolutionary uh, 
tract that they were on. Okay. So, yeah. And they, they, they were alive in the Permian period, which was uh, before the Mesozoic. In your art, where you are drawing, painting, uh, portraying dinosaurs, you don't usually like draw them the way you would see them in popular media. They look a lot different. How do dinosaurs look when you create them? Well, I try to uh, to make them as scientifically accurate as possible, and a lot of the newer science uh, coming out because uh, a lot of really good fossils from like China and other places are coming out that have been sh- have been shown that most theropods, at least the two legged dinosaurs like T Rexes and velociraptors and other ones like that they actually had feathers mm-hmm. and uh it was once thought that it was more like the more evolved like like archaeopteryx and stuff had feathers but actually it was shown that the feathers evolved not to be flight uh things or they originally evolved to just keep animal warm and then mm-hmm. it managed to evolve from it was so like feathers feathers now is not the 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 direction that evolution was going when they first showed up on animals so okay that was just kind of like a happy accident that they turned into feathers. But they ended up, it was first, like, the so most, like, early, like, Jurassic, Triassic dinosaurs, they had, like, kind of shaggy, kind of ostrich-looking feathers that aren't, like, they're shaggy-looking, and they're not, like, connected in, in, like, a, like, if you look think of a classic feather of being, like, having a lot of little fibers that are all connected into one little big feather with, like, a big uh, quill in the middle sort of thing. They, right. They're originally, like, they're shaggier. But, uh... As like especially the the raptor line uh, has evolved, they got more uh, like sophisticated feathers, and so most of the theropods, even the T Rex, there's evidence that T Rex had a coating of feathers of some sort. So most people are mad, saying that science ruined their childhood, but because they like their naked Jurassic Park dinosaurs, mm-hmm. but. I think it's really cool that these animals that have been dead for millions of years and that we've only really known about for the, like the past 200 years, we're still learning these, all this new stuff about them, like the, the feathers and the, uh, like they, they discovered some micro raptors had four wings, like their legs also had big wings on them that they used to glide. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's just really cool. And, uh, so anyone who says that science ruined their childhood by making dinosaurs fluffy, hasn't seen the right paleo art. <laughs> what about the way the uh, flesh and skin sets on the skeleton? Oh. <laughs> because uh, one thing that I've gotten into when I've like read up on this is that sometimes the skin sits on the skeleton kind of like it's a shrink wrap. Yeah. Yeah. That is a big problem with like paleo art community is that there's actually a book called uh, All Yesterdays mm-hmm. that it has a lot of paleo art in it, but the back of it is devoted to... like. Uh, rendering animals that are alive today as if we just discovered them like from millions of years ago and like what they would look like if we didn't have an idea of what like a cow would look like and just because most of the time when we reconstruct dinosaurs you just kind of put skin over the skeleton and they're these skinny bony looking animals that Mm -hmm. we don't because because fat doesn't fossilize and like uh, skin tissue doesn't fossilize so like if we if we discovered an elephant skeleton without knowing what an elephant was, we would never have known that it had, like, the big trunk on it. It would think of it as, like, weird, flat-faced, hole-in-the-face-looking creature. <laughs> and uh, Just had one giant nostril. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, it, or, or even in, like, in, in uh, like, ancient Greek times, that was where the, uh, the, uh, the myth of the, the uh, Cyclops came from. They, I've heard that. Yeah, they yeah. found, uh, that's what, the, I, I don't know sure if that's 100%, Proven, but they found like I really love that. I love it too, because if you look at an elephant skeleton or a skull, it looks kind of like a weird, deformed human skull with a big one eye in the middle of it, and mm-hmm. 
So like that, like people who didn't know about dinosaurs discovered the, that. And we're like, oh yeah, cyclopses. But uh, yeah, so like if you found like a cat skeleton and you you reconstructed it like we reconstruct dinosaur skeletons, it wouldn't have any ears. It wouldn't have like uh, it wouldn't be fluffy at all. There wouldn't be any hair on it. It would have like if you've seen like sphinx cats, it would look like one of those hairless cats, only without any ears and without any skin wrinkles. It'd be all tight on the body because that's what how most people. Uh, reconstruct dinosaurs and there's I don't know how big the movement is but it's one of my favorite parts of the paleo art community of especially on sauropods like adding wrinkles and skin and other bits that might have been on the on the dinosaur because you don't know we have no idea until we get better fossils that have like better because we there are some fossils that have preserved skin or mm-hmm. like skin impressions so we know what kind of like skin kind of was on it but until we kind of find more fossils that really show what was on the dinosaur, like, they're not as always skinny, svelte hunters. Some of them mm-hmm. were dumpy, weird, funny-looking things, and I love them. Yeah, I'm thinking particularly of the original Jurassic Park T-Rex, mm-hmm. which the skull, you can actually yeah, see the all the skull the holes yeah. on it. And it looks really dramatic and monstrous, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like it has any... There's actually a... Uh, from what there's a debate right now going on in the scientific community on whether or not the T-Rex had lips <laughs> because like, yeah, cause they don't know. Cause it was, they, cause they had to protect the teeth. They don't know if they like the teeth just stuck out like alligator lips or alligator teeth, or if they had like a protective lips on them. And there's like strong evidence to both sides. So no one's really sure. And speaking of lips, I just found something about like last week, there is a, uh, a debate now over Smilodon, which is the saber-toothed cat. There is a debate over, because they looked at the tusks on the saber-toothed cat and realized that if they were just exposed to the weather all the time, they wouldn't have really survived. So there is a running theory now that they actually had jowls that covered the teeth (laughs) when they weren't using them. (laughs) And you think that would look really dumpy, but actually it looks kind of like a big, like, mastiff, if a mastiff was a cat. So it's, like, still this big, scary animal, but it has, like, big jowls over its mouth. So I'm basically picturing a cat with the face of Winston Churchill. Kind of. Like like a a tiger, if a tiger had the head of a bulldog, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, like, so, like, oh, we're just discovering man. new things all the time, and it's really fun, and I love it. <laughs> um, so, in your own work, when you have to draw something, mm-hmm. and you don't know precisely, like, how, where all the muscles were, mm-hmm. or where, like, the, you know, fat deposits were, or whatnot, how do you make a call about how to portray that animal? Well, the best thing about paleontology, which is also one of the, one of the worst things, is that, uh, like the science is changing all the time. So like, as long as you're not doing something that has been completely debunked by science, like drawing, uh, like drawing raptor arms, like they're shown in Jurassic Park where their palms are facing the floor. Right. That is, that is incorrect. There's, there's, they're more like bird arms. It was a, they are clappers, not tappers where their hands, their palms are facing each other. So like if you show, if you draw a picture of a Dionychus with its arms, its wrists broken, that is completely scientifically inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But if you draw like a feather pattern, that's wrong. We don't know what the real one was. And mm-hmm. so there's, and there's new science all the time. And so you can kind of get away with fudging some things. I try mm-hmm. to, I try to research as much as I can to try to find as many examples of the creature I'm looking at as I can and just try to just 
try to do my best in good faith of the creature and not try to make up anything. Just kind of go with what I can read and extrapolate. So there is one dinosaur, <laughs> and we actually know, we don't have to speculate, we yeah. actually know what color they were. Yes, Which, it's called the uh, Anchiornis, I believe is how it's pronounced. It's, right. That's my best, I'm not very good at pronouncing dinosaur names, it's I'm so totally sorry. Okay. But no, it's this dinosaur, it was a, uh, it's a small uh, theropod, that's, I want to say it's a type of raptor, but it might be younger than that, I'm not sure. But it was found in China. And the uh, the fossil was so well preserved that the feathers like of the dinosaur were really well left really good imprints. Where because mm-hmm. the color the color of feathers in birds today is determined by like how the feather is constructed, like how the little fibers are connect to each other, and mm-hmm. because of that, that's how we so we know how that's we know that's how the feathers are colored are, and so they found the feather fossils were so well preserved that we could look at the construction of the feathers and figure out what color uh the feather Uh, was okay and so it's it's black and black and white and red it basically looks like a big pileated woodpecker that's also (laughs) a dinosaur and i think also i want to say that some of the black feathers are also like a a iridescent like a starling kind of feather so yeah and so it's just we know for a fact that this dinosaur had black feathers and red feathers and white feathers and it's the only one we know of so far that we can for 100 say this is the color of the dinosaur but it's it's really cool it's i it's really really exciting <laughs> okay. i mean you're also though i know into other different extinct animals mm-hmm. um we also were talking about uh the connection between giant sloths and avocados yes what is up with that it's one of my favorite things i love megafauna and other extinct like i love dinosaurs but all extinct animals are really cool and really weird and just mm-hmm. bizarre and uh the only members of the sloth family that are alive today are tree sloths which are very small and very slow and kind of look like little teddy bears but for a long time especially in south america and like central america there were giant ground sloths that were huge like 12 feet tall with huge claws they like burrowed and and ate everything and they there were a lot of them in like south america and central america and it's been hypothesized that uh the avocado first evolved to be eaten by ground sloths and other megafauna of that size because there's nothing alive on earth today that could swallow the seed of an avocado and pass it through its digestive system like the way that seeds generally work and so it was, it's been hypothesized since that area that it evolved in was also very heavy in ground sloths, that it was meant to be eaten by ground sloths and then dispersed that way. And it was because of uh, early humans that lived in that area that whenever the ground sloths died out, early humans discovered the avocado and were like, hey, this is pretty tasty. And if it wasn't for humans, there wouldn't be any avocados because they would have died out. Mm-hmm. Or at least, at the very, at very least, there would only be a very small amount of of avocados in a very small area because they, they wouldn't be able to get dispersed any way any else other way. So what you're saying is that when I eat guacamole, I'm actually doing avocados a favor. Yes. Because they wouldn't exist no, if they, they didn't have somebody to eat they them. They wouldn't exist. And okay. I guess, well, now they do exist because we, we cultivate them. But like right. if there are wild plants, they would either just exist in like one valley somewhere because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have any animal to disperse them far, far and wide or they would be completely extinct. And, uh, and also one of the things that, one of the reasons why the avocado has so much flesh on it is because humans have been cultivating it for tons of years. Right. So, yeah, so we cultivated it to have more flesh because that's the part we like to eat. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, I just think it's really cool that avocados are still around, but the reason why they evolved are not still around. And that's really cool to me. There's a, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to pick your brain also just mm -hmm. about like, favorite megafauna of yours. Oh, like, I know you, I know this is something that you love. So like, <laughs> or just some like things that you're like, that is just the like, greatest, it, most interesting thing ever. Like in what, you have to like break it down into like, like qualifiers. Okay, like, okay. Like time let's, talk period about, or... let's talk about the irritator. Ir oh yeah, the irritator. The irritator. <laughs> what is up with that? The irritator, what, it's in the Spinosaurus family. Uh, so it's, it's, it's that similar sort of uh, aquatic dinosaur that we think, but it's only known by parts, like a partial skull uh, fossil that we discovered, but it was discovered by fossil, uh, fossil poachers. So, uh, like, cause it was dug out in an area where they're not supposed to be and they, mm -hmm. they found it. And because they thought that it would, it would sell more if the skull looked more complete, they added plaster to the skull fragments and they changed the shape of it and they presented that as the fossil. And so now, like when, when scientists were able to get hold of it, they had a really hard time trying to, to get the plaster away from the bones to find what the real bones were. And that is why it's called the irritator because it <laughs> irritated the paleontologist so much. And I think that's, that's an, an, an example of how uh, all scientists are nerds. Another example of how all scientists are nerds are, do you know what the, what the, uh, the tail, the tail spikes of a stegosaurus are called? Uh, I do not. It's called a thagomizer. Thagomizer. Which comes from a Gary Larson far side comic of where a caveman is giving a presentation on uh, on dinosaurs oh, and he's pointing to the the, the tail of a, of a Stegosaurus going, this is the Thagomizer named after our late colleague, Thag. I've seen this comic. Yeah. And so the, the, the scientific name is now actually Thagomizer because scientists are huge nerds and they saw that comic and they liked it. <laughs> Corey, that is beautiful. Isn't that cool? I, I love the far side. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, one of my favorite little tidbits is the thagomizer. So, mentioned the far side, we've been also talking about Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. um, do you have favorite and least favorite pop culture dinosaurs? Honestly, the first Jurassic Park did a really good job, most, mostly. Like, um, it's been, like, I hear people talk about how first Jurassic Park, it's a movie that was made in the early 90s with dinosaur science from the late 80s. Like, mm -hmm. they tried really hard to make it as accurate as possible while also being like a big budget monster movie. But uh, that was one of the first movies that really showed pop culture that dinosaurs are more bird-like. Cause like before then it was more of the, the tail draggy, like, uh, uh, like Fantasia, like the way the dinosaurs are portrayed in Fantasia, right. which I also love, but it's not accurate at all. Uh, so Jurassic Park, the first one did a really good job of bringing more modern dinosaurs into the pop culture knowledge and like showing off also the wonder of dinosaurs also like because it had the whole first part of the movie is Alan Grant just, just dorking out over how great dinosaurs are. Yeah. And uh, they made it. They made the movie because they had just discovered the Utah raptor, which is a giant raptor that was found in Utah. It's basically the size of a uh, uh, like a station wagon mm -hmm. and so when they found that they're able to like oh there are it's like giant scary raptors exist we can make this movie now with a giant scary raptor but they called it a velociraptor because that name sounded cooler than utah raptor so that's why everyone thinks because velociraptors are actually very small uh dinosaurs like turkey size, yeah they're like right? turkey size and they they're kind of more like kind of more like like 
chickens. Like, they're just, <laughs> like, they're cool, but, I like, if you saw one in the wild, I, they wouldn't be super dangerous. They'd be more like, like, they'd be about as dangerous as, like, a, an angry bird, which can hurt you a lot, but mm-hmm. it's... <laughs> I mean, ask, ask those pigs about how much angry birds oh. can hurt. <laughs> oh, uh, you. Uh, topical oh, you. pop culture reference. But, yeah, like... Yeah. Like, as for all the things that they got wrong in Jurassic Park, they it was a lo- I, there was a lot of goodwill in that movie to mm-hmm. make it as accurate as they could. Whereas Jurassic World didn't like as if like the Jurassic Park was a movie made in the early '90s with dinosaur science from the 18- from the late '80s, whereas Jurassic World was made in the 2000 teens with dinosaur science from the late '80s. Like okay. it, they didn't try at all to kind of update the science from like what all we learned from 1993. Uh, which mm-hmm. we've learned a lot about dinosaurs since 1993. It's like the feathers and uh, just a lot of stuff we've learned from then. And so that's why I was very disappointed in Jurassic, in Jurassic World because I just didn't feel like it didn't, didn't go with the spirit that the first one had. And mm-hmm. the first one, it's one of my favorite dinosaur movies. And I also really like the, the Fantasia, the Rite of Spring Fantasia dinosaur pits, but those are... I also am really into like old inaccurate depictions of dinosaurs mm-hmm. from like the mid-century. I think those are cool, but they're not accurate. Like a lot of movies that had uh, dinosaurs in stop motion animation. Yeah. A lot of like, I don't know what you would call them, caveman exploitation mm-hmm. films. <laughs> Here's a fun fact for you that I just learned and it blew my mind. Uh, the T-Rex, because you always see movies of like dinosaurs in them where T-Rex are like fighting stegosauruses and they're all like living in the same time period. But the... T-Rex is actually lived closer to us than it did to the Stegosaurus. Because Stegosaurus from the Jurassic period and the, the T-Rex from the Cretaceous period. Mm-hmm. And there are more than 65 million years that separate them. And we're separated from the T-Rex by 65 million years. So it'd be more accurate to have humans running around with T-Rexes than, <laughs> with, than having T-Rexes running around with Stegosauruses. So at no point would T-Rex be um, vexed by the Thagomizer? No, they would not. Although they they're more they're more concerned about like triceratops and other ceratopsians from that that period. I feel like that's a classic battle that I've seen in like lots of mm-hmm. you know uh, pop culture dinosaur art. The T Rex versus you know yeah, triceratops. That is actually fairly accurate. They both lived around the same time period, and mm-hmm. the T Rex probably would have hunted the uh, the triceratops and other ceratopsians mm-hmm. from basically the Cretaceous period is where a lot of the weird cool classic dinosaurs come from because like the t- the, the t-rex and the the raptors and the uh triceratops and other like the hadrosaurs like the duckbill dinosaurs that everyone loves those are all from the cretaceous period mm-hmm. whereas like uh, like brachiosaurus and stegosaurus from the jurassic and then like all the little weird like coelophysis tiny dinosaurs come from the triassic period so they kind of as they as the time period went on, they got like weirder and cooler and more spread out, and like all of the weird ceratopsians with the weird frills and number of horns and crazy heads are all from the Cretaceous period. All right. What about uh, mammals? What about extinct mammals? I feel like they don't get enough love. They don't. They don't. They're so cool. They don't get enough love. And I, oh, they're neat. Especially like, uh, South America during like the the Pleistocene era mm-hmm. had a ton of uh, of marsupials. Like there are the what? yeah marsupials were the, the in South America. That's why we have uh, uh, possums oh, today because okay. they came I from mean... South America and uh, they're like they're really the only outside of, of Australia that uh, that marsupials live or like are possums are really the only ones outside of Australia and that's because they came through South America and then moved up to North America. 
and then the ones in South America died out. But yeah, there's a lot of cool... There's one, my favorite, is called the Thylacosmilus. Okay. Yes. Which, if you look it up, it looks a lot like... It's a, it's a good uh, example of co- uh, convergent evolution mm-hmm. because it looks a lot like the Smilodon, which is where it gets its name from. It looks a lot like a saber-toothed cat. But it's a marsupial. It's got like these big, huge... Uh, it looks kind of like a smaller cat, but it's got these big, huge like tusk sabers in their mouth. But also, to protect them, they have like a scabbard in their lower jaw. So like the bone of the lower jaw goes down in this weird shape. So whenever they close their mouths, their big, huge uh, uh, teeth will just kind of slide into the bottom. And so they have these really weird looking skulls and they're just really cool. That is gnarly. <laughs> yeah, they're really neat. It's better than, than the Smilodon. I think that they, that, well, I guess no animal's better than another, but Smilodon gets a lot of love and the Thylacosmilus does not. Uh-huh. And I think the Thylacosmilus is a cool, weird animal. And another example, like, basically, if you want weird animals from, like, the Pleistocene, South America is the place to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly why it was South America, but South America has a lot of the coolest, weirdest megafauna. Like, uh, they had, like, they, the giant sloths were from there. The glyptodons, which are basically, uh, they're basically big armadillos that are about the size of, like, a, a Volkswagen Beetle. They have, like, big, huge... Uh, uh, scaly shell over them and then they just kind of move really slow and they're huge and those are also south american and uh terror birds are from south america which uh are these big huge uh predatory flightless birds that are terrifying so kind of like a prehistoric cassowary kind of yes only imagine a cassowary that's taller uh more muscular and has the the beak of like like a like a, a hawk on steroids, like it's like a huge ripping beak. Yeah, they're terrifying. Yes. And yeah, th- those were after the uh, after the uh, the KT extinction event. It was the, these those birds were briefly the uh, dominant species were birds. So it went reptiles, birds, mammals. Wow. And I just I just love them. I love I can them tell. So much. I can tell. They're so cool. <laughs> Alright. So one last thing. Uh, where can people find you again online? You, you can find me at Corybing.com or you find my comic at skindeepcomic.com. It's not about dinosaurs, but it is about mythical creatures. So okay. And if people want to see your art of uh, your art of extinct animals, where, what's the best place? Ah, Corybing.com is my uh, art website and so it will have all of my, my paleo art and stuff. All right. There. Corey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. Once again, Corey's work is at CoreyBing.com or SkinDeepComic.com. We are at InterestingTimesPodcast.com where you can go and make a donation on the Patreon. That would be excellent. This is an ad-free, independent podcast that exists because you decide it does. Uh, Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, at Joe's Trekkert. Follow Corey on Twitter, at CoreyBing. And give us a like on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Interesting Times with Joe Streckert. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.